Hello, and welcome to episode 151 of Relics of Ore. I am your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening are Vraven and Spirit. How are you doing this fine evening, Spirit? Hello, I, um, I'm, I'm doing great today, actually. That's just, just straight up wonderful. Good. And how about yourself, Raven? I'm doing quite well. Excited to talk about the beta. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we missed last week due to some scheduling uh, conflicts, so we're doing one sort of midweek this week to talk about the beta, which happened just yesterday at the time of recording. I believe all of us got to play it, so that's exciting. We all get to share our own unique points of view and uh, experiences. Um, I guess it's worth mentioning that last week they announced that Lion's Arch was finally getting rebuilt and that we get a say in the name of all a bunch of the locations. Do either of you have any strong thoughts on that? I know Hunter wrote a blog post about it. I strongly agree with Hunter's indifference. Um, basically, the gist of the, the blog post and also my, my kind of take on it is the the thought behind it was excellent. They, I really like the idea that they want to get us involved in in that, and especially in Lion's Arch, where it's such a central player location and something we all kind of have a history with. It would be a really cool idea to give players, you know, some sort of say in that. But the choices that they actually gave us were um, rather uninspired, and I don't really have a strong opinion. A lot of them didn't even make sense. I mean, it was like human-themed stuff or stuff. It's like, this doesn't go with the spirit of Lion's Arch. It's like the the central common area with all the services, one of the choices was King Doric's Court, which doesn't... I mean, it's lore-significant, but not in any way remotely related to Lion's Arch. Yeah, the only really human one that makes sense would be the one that naming the lighthouse after the human who was hurting in the ships or or hurting people out. I don't remember exactly what it was that that died in the attack. Like that's named after a person that's significant to Lion's Arch in its recent history, but I definitely got the feeling when I was reading through them that it was like all right, one of these names is a throwaway, one of these names is a lore callout, and one of these names is an alliteration that sounds good. like that was pretty much the template of (laughs) of the different of the different names and yeah i i hadn't really thought about the human connection like you said but that is definitely true like maybe if each one had a different race like if the air docks were a surin themed or something and the you know beachhead was char themed and the council or whatever was human themed or or whatever i don't know but it did feel a little bit weird to have be all human centric for the city that's theoretically supposed to be the neutral meeting ground and coming yeah. together of all the different cultures. It's like Hunter said at the back of his post, or the bottom of his post. It's like bringing the writers. It seemed like there was no forethought on it, and it was just a survey. It's like I don't know what they were thinking. Or or the cynic that would say, really, they already named them, and so they gave us obvious names yeah. that everybody would vote for. Yeah, but. It's still cool. I mean, just just like what happened with the gosh, now I'm forgetting what it was called. The where we where we got to vote for Keel or Evan Nashblade the election. I, I always yeah. think it's neat to incorporate player voting yeah. into things like that. So I mean, I was actually I was really surprised to see. Um, so the like we said before, the Grady Lighthouse, um, named after a priest who who spent his time trying to get people out of Lion's Arch during the escape from Lion's Arch and ultimately didn't make it out himself. Um, 
the I thought that for sure people would go, oh yeah, I remember that NPC. We can totally name a lighthouse after him. He was so selfless and stuff. But there was actually a, a huge thread uh, on the forums where Silvari players were saying, no, we don't want a, a lighthouse named after him. His daughter is very racist towards us. And actually, if you go to the, there's a memorial out on the western side of Lion's Arch. And if you, you can go talk to his daughter, and if you're on a Silvari character, she will actually be very, very, very racist towards you and kind of tell you to shove off. Whereas if you're any other race, she'll kind of tell you what happened to her father and how she suffered through Lion's Arch. So I thought that was kind of interesting that there was there were players actually vehemently against naming Lighthouse after him for that reason. Hmm. I had totally missed that. That's that is interesting. But was there any other news last week? I feel like there was something else that was smaller that we sort of assumed that we were going to get information on and then it was pretty much not touched again, but maybe I'm just projecting that everybody was expecting guild halls. I can't think of anything. I don't remember. There were, yeah, I thought there was something as well, but I'm not remembering now. Oh, that's fine then. There was a uh, Ready Up last week did, what, Dragon Hunter 1v1s and World v. World Tour? Yeah. Meh. Anyway, I think everybody really just wants to talk about and listen to a conversation about the beta, so <laughs> we'll just move <laughs> on because that stuff really wasn't that big of a deal last week. So who wants to start off? How many who which of us got to participate in the most betas? I only got to do basically one. I got one and three quarters. I got one and a half. Okay. And were they which ones were they? First, second, or third? I only got to play the third one because of Pacific time hours. I got the first run and the third run. I was second and third. I didn't get to play the first because of New Zealand hours. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just sort of wondering if there was any perceptive like perceivable difference between the first, second, and third slots, uh, partially because of population or things like that, or people that had already gotten their fill of playing the Revenant and if the professions changed or whatever. So well, why don't you talk that, about the first one? Yeah. Yeah. On that note, um, I think the first one that I did, I got into a zone that was one of the later zones. It definitely wasn't a zone with streamers. And we ended up um, in the bottom, I think it was the southwest corner of the map in the ruins area. And we were all kind of there just running around checking things out. Um, and we didn't even make it to the Itzel village. And I thought, um, I talked to someone later in the day about how there was an Itzel village and all this stuff. I'm like, I didn't even see that. What's going on? And I think part of it was that the streamers were running with devs. So devs knew right where to go and what to showcase. So if you were in a um, map that had devs and streamers, you were getting the whole tour. Whereas if you were kind of just with people, you were exploring on your own, doing your own thing, which is kind of cool too. It was just, you aren't seeing everything. Yeah, I I discovered the Itzel Village when I was playing, but it was completely after I had just given up on trying to do events because our events were just not really getting completed. Um and I went exploring, but we can talk a little bit more about the exploring later. Uh, did you guys did you guys try out the Revenant? Yes. Did you, um, Robin? Yes, I rolled the Revenant first, and then I'm like, what did I? What have I done? There's like three thousand <laughs> Revenants here, and a Guardian and a um, Thief. They're complaining that they don't have specializations, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> well, why would Thief expect their specialization? That's what I was wondering. I, I wanted to say something <laughs> like, no, no, don't feed the trolls. Yeah. So, Kate, you were starting to say something. I was just going to talk about my experience with Revenant. Get at so it. We can totally do that. Okay, I'll do that now. Um, I was very conflicted. I thought I would enjoy Revenant a lot. And I I don't know that I won't enjoy it on release, but I was pretty frustrated yesterday. Um, it was kind of hard to qualify that, but I think it mostly came down to the two play styles that were available were not really play styles that I 
enjoy playing and then play styles that I enjoy playing in an open PvE situation. And um, Celestial so, Armor. And Celestial yeah, Armor. And Celestial Gear. That was and a good runes. decision. Yeah, it was a good decision for uh, at first when I was really confused about everything that was going on with the profession. And then once I started to understand it more, I felt really hamstrung by not being specialized in any one thing. Um, so I did everything mediocrely well. And then on top of that was with unfamiliar playstyles. So it was, yeah, Revenant overall yesterday was very uncomfortable for me. I think upon release, I'll probably play it more. But even so, nothing stood out to me as what I would want to replace any of my current favorite professions. So I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to judge it based on, you know, not having any of the information. We don't have any information about specialization. We don't have any information about the other legends. But what I played yesterday felt very narrow and limiting, and I didn't like it. What were your experiences with it, Bravin? I'd say somewhat similar. Um, I'd agree with Spirit. It felt like I was at 65% of everything. Um, mm-hmm. I could do a little bit of conditions. I could do a little bit of damage. I was kind of tanky. And if I could have played with my stats, had Zerker armor, changed my weapons, seen my other weapons... Um, it would have been like I could tank if I want to tank, or DPS if I want to DPS. I feel the Revenant has that uh, ability um, to flush out a role that you want to take. But in the avenue that we were in, we just kind of get to do a little bit of everything, which was kind of frustrating later on. But I really like the energy system. I really like that. I like the cost um, and uh, rewards that you get, because you're spending uh, mana to do use your skills. So if you use all your mana, you'd only have an auto attack. So you had a, I forget which one it was, your utility skill number nine, I think, that has hammers spin around you. If you left that one on, you were just doing crazy damage, protecting yourself, but that's 1% of your mana at a time. If you just forgot about it, you'd lose all your mana. So there was a cost reward, and do I want to use this now? Am I going to just do this damage as a group, or do I want to turn it off so I can just smash something with my hammer later? I really enjoyed that. It felt a lot like Guild Wars 1. It's like, wow, I like having energy. It's another management. It allows the skills to be powerful, because they're not just on cooldowns. Mm-hmm. Did you play too much with the Malik's attunement? It sounds like you were mostly focusing on Jalus. Well, I, I tried the Malik's attunement. Go ahead, Spirit. I did a little bit. I think it was a little bit hamstrung because of the... There weren't very many conditions being thrown out by enemies in there, so it was hard to apply conditions to... like It was hard to do that whole balancing act when it was very one-sided. I was applying all the conditions and none were being applied to me. Um, so it was hard to get the full feel of the profession, I think. But I played around a lot with um, your, what's it called? The, the You leap in and then you teleport enemies away from you. I was playing with that a lot because I see um, potential for that to be kind of annoying in dungeons. So I did a lot of testing with that and found ultimately that I didn't come up with any conclusions. I thought at one point that it teleported all of your enemies to the same place, which would be an excellent gathering skill, but... I, I couldn't really figure out how it determined where it put enemies when you teleport. Was that one of the Malik skills or one of the weapon skills? It was a Malik skill. It was the nine. Like the nine, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did you yeah, use that... hammer or mace axe? I started out with mace axe and I switched to hammer towards the end because I remembered that I could put the juggernaut on it. So yeah, I did waste a, a T stone just for that. But actually, I heard that those don't. Uh, according to Reddit, those don't actually take them off of your account. Like if you log back in, your T your T stone count will still be what it was before the beta. Hmm. Okay. Because I I definitely saw them going down as I was using them, but I haven't checked since. Yeah, some people are theorizing that they basically just took a snapshot of your account and then copied all of the relevant 
like statistics over onto your beta slot, but it's actually like basically a copy account. I can't confirm or deny that, but no, that, that seems to make sense because I noticed that I did my daily before, and then when I went in, I still had daily, and it also seemed like I did had the gold that I'd spent. So that makes sense. Right, and also it shows you as unlocking skins, but you can't use those skins on other characters, yeah. but you do have right. access to all your skins that you already had unlocked, so... So um, if it happens again, I'm going to transmute like crazy. I didn't want to waste transmutations. Yeah, I just put an outfit on, because I didn't want to waste T-stones either, oh, but I also didn't want to look like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, personally, I, I only got to play in the third one, as I said. I started out with hammer and i really didn't like it mostly i think because of the celestial gear but it just felt like it was way too pillow fisted and mm. i think that without without any focus that conditions probably do a little bit better because the auto attacks on the mace were not that much less damage than the hammer and so i mean true they were melee but they're doing basically the same amount of damage plus torment even if it wasn't max condition damage torment so i pretty much stayed with with mace axe the whole time also i think it's interesting that you can't equip either of those in the opposite hand at least not in the beta yeah so, i thought that was weird as well um yeah i mean i don't really mind either way there's definitely some classes that have offhand only weapons or whatever you know rangers can only use daggers in their offhand whereas thieves can use it in both so um yeah i don't know it was interesting i will say that the effects were gorgeous on the class i wish that we could get some retouching of effects on other classes because the skills yes. just looked awesome yeah and i really was impressed with how the uh the stone bridge or road that you would make that would you know go across you'd put it over rocks um bumps on a road or trails and it would you uh -huh. know kind of form to that same thing with the ripping when you'd like rip a portion of space out and open it up to the mists it would overlay on top of a side of a mountain or whatever you were very well i was impressed with how it didn't really it didn't fissure or you know tear it just looked like it was supposed to be there yeah that's yeah i mean the effects were really phenomenal i think i mostly agree with what you guys were saying about the malik's form i spent the bulk of my time in it just seeing how it felt um and it's sort of i'm a little bit concerned about my long-term enjoyment of the class as well as i think is sort of the general consensus from you guys in that not being able to swap weapons really kind of hurts and at least I think it hurts, because if you have the hammer, then you're stuck with a long-range weapon that has projectiles that can be intercepted and don't necessarily do that much damage. Or if you pick a melee weapon set, then you're stuck in melee, and there's a lot of encounters in this game that, at least currently, are very difficult to do if you can't back out. And while you can swap the back half of your skill bar, you're still stuck with that kit. So the Malik's kit was super situational in terms of what it offered and i don't usually run those types of skills because it, i think we'd all agree that the, the malik's kit was very similar to a necromancer in theme but i don't run corrupt boon on my necromancer just in general world like open world play because a lot of the time it's not worth it or there's a better skill or they don't mm -hmm. use boons and i don't yeah, yeah. I mean, like several of those skills were very situational, and they'd be really good if we were fighting in um, Silverwaste, you know, where where there's a lot of conditions flying around, and you can reflect them back. But 
having to dedicate your whole bar to that. I mean, you you can swap them out of combat, but if you want to be condition-y, I feel like that's the one you always have to have Malix on unless there's like multiple other condition builds with legends because those are the like that's the one whose skills are going to key off of the stat that you're putting points into. And so, I don't know. I don't know how I feel yeah, about it. I kind of think yes and no to what you say about Malix cuz I didn't quite understand Malix is why I stayed in Jalus most of the time, mm-hmm. but I think I had potential to learn and figure out the nuance. But the way Jalus played, I can see myself really wanting a different legend to pair with it. Um, but I think this is kind of shows that the feel I got is that the Revenant is very much a support class because with everyone you know being a Revenant and spinning their hammers, jumping around, we just kind of tore through everything. But I could see a lot of potential. I mean, this, the ability for stability to go on when you're in Jalus form was ridiculous. I mean, stability stacking is going to be awesome and anywhere in the game, really, probably mostly worldview world. But I think they're going to find a niche, the, the uh, Revenant, and then go to that niche and be a, more of a support class. I don't know they're they're going to do real well on their own, and I don't know if that's good or bad for the class. Yeah, well, it's it's not, I guess, more, I think I agree with what you're saying, that it's going to find its niche and go to that. It's just that, that having a super niche concept or role is not something that I would say is synonymous with general PvE content, like... Uh, a lot of the time anyway. Like, that's great in World v. World if you want to play your Zerg Buster or your, you know, what, whatever roles people play in, in World v. World. Or if you want yep. to play SPVP and you want to be the bunker or you want to be whatever. But I, I at least with the Malik's Eye, it was a little bit concerning from the condition damage, like, concept of a build. And partly that's because of how condition damage works in this game in general. But, um, I don't know. We're, I mean, we we still have so much that we don't know, but the Jalus definitely seemed really solid, which I think we'll agree on. Yeah. yeah. But do you think that there was partially a problem with everyone being a uh, everyone being a revenant that they were drawing conditions from each other? That is somewhat possible, but I'm just thinking even regular open world Guild Wars two that we already have. Like, there's plenty of areas where conditions aren't that yeah. widely used no, by I enemies. No, I don't see Revenant being very good in dungeons, or at least a Malik's Revenant not very good in dungeon stuff. But Silverway stuff, and depending on where they go with new PVE content, I kind of hope that it fits in. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. It's just I I want condition damage to be a really good thing, and it concerns me a little bit from what I've seen. But again, we still have only seen two of however many legends we're getting, so. Um, I, I will say that it did seem a little bit awkward in Malix because each of the skills worked like corruptions for necromancers in that they gave you a condition in addition to doing an effect. And presumably the idea would be so that you can then reflect those conditions onto enemies near you with the elite. But the elite was expensive enough and lasted for such a short duration that it was actually really challenging to use those skills and use the elite because you would run out of energy almost immediately. So that was almost a weird, that almost felt a little bit weirdly anti-synergy. I don't know. it, But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's Yeah, it was, this makes me really want, because we don't have any runes or stats or anything that affect energy. Whereas in Guild Wars 1, we had that. We had weapon things that would give us recharge or you know extra energy. And if there was something like that, I could see where you could build your, your set to, to do what you're saying, get some synergy. But yeah, without that, what are we going to do? And maybe traits will will help fix maybe that. Did either of you actually look at your traits? I don't think I did on my Revenant, no. I did briefly. I looked at it and I said, I don't want any of these things because these are not the roles I want to play. And then I ignored it because I really wanted a glider. 
Yeah. Um, well, yeah, let's talk about the gliders in just a second. I did fiddle around with my traits a little bit. There was a really cool trait that was a grandmaster that was like, uh, I think it was when you get hit, there's a 20% chance that you spawn one of those spinning spirit hammers for free, um, which I took in a heartbeat because that was just really cool. There were a lot of really strong synergistic traits revolving around slow, or uh, taunt rather, taunt and slow. I definitely saw some massive potential as sort of almost a PvE bunker and potentially in PvP as well with some combinations of like taunted enemies do less damage to you and also like oh gosh I'm, i i wish i'd written them down or taken a screenshot of them but some of them i saw and i looked at and i just thought wow those are really powerful together but like kate said that's there just weren't really the role i was looking to play and yeah we'll see it it seems like reduced damage from foes suffering from a certain condition is something that we've seen now twice in heart of thorns both from the necromancer with chill and now from the revenant with some of those traits and abilities so i'm kind of wondering if that might be a new paradigm for some of the new design stuff but gliders which really is just a discussion about the mastery system but come on everybody picked gliders do one of you guys want to start talking about that first i stayed on the ground and explored and didn't really get into gliders so kate better take this one um I don't know where to start. Basically, I the only reason I knew how to use the mastery system is because Hunter, who had played the the beta before me, told me. Uh, otherwise, I would have been totally lost, and I would have never had a glider through this whole thing. So, thanks, Hunter. Um, even after he told me, though, and I got it set up right away as soon as I got into Verdant Brink, it still took me two hours to unlock my glider. Um, yeah, I probably only had it about ten minutes before the end. Even, you know, looking for events to do to get my XP up so I could have them. Um, but once I had it, because that, that's a whole another thing that I'd like to come back to later. Once I had the glider, I had so much fun in Verdant Brink. And just the overall map design in there was incredibly complex and fun to look at and fun to run around in. And then it only got better when I got a glider because it was so much easier to navigate. Um, I just, I had an absolute blast. I would waypoint and throw myself off things just to, to glide. And I, I would take basically an excuse to take a sharp left off a bridge and glide down to the next event. It, I had an absolute blast doing that. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with it as well. It was as, I'm very much the explorer archetype, at least in a game like Guild Wars that allows you to both traverse in fairly intuitive ways but also find cool little things that they've secreted away that other people wouldn't find i just had so much fun playing around with the glider and getting all up on those huge vines and up onto crazy places and i definitely mm -hmm. found some places that they clearly didn't expect you to get to and so there was no collision box on things um i have some screenshots of walking on the air because i i found like a, a hard invisible wall edge that i got on top of with the glider like without using any map out exploits just purely utilizing jumping and and gliding skills and i i had a ton of fun just just gliding everywhere so i think that's gonna be a huge hit but i also agree i found the interface very unintuitive and i would not have picked it up very quickly had i not read i think it was vereen that turned me onto it from the pale tree she wrote an article about it right away after the first one and so that was that was interesting but 
Did either of you try and get that mastery point that was right outside of the first waypoint? I saw it, and I saw people glide into it, and I thought, wow, I wish I knew how to use my traits, but I'm not going to bother <laughs> with this right now because I don't want to waste my time in a menu. I spent a solid hour trying to get it, and I could not figure out how to get it. Um, oh, don't I was you just go able... from the top? From yeah, I was first? able to yeah. glide right onto it, but it seems like you couldn't... So there was there was kind of like a, a flat platform underneath it, and then there was like a, a jump just higher than you can jump to get to the the one itself. Right. And if you jumped at the right and pressed F at the right time, you could get it by being on that lower flat platform. Oh, um, okay. So I got there, but I didn't actually get the skill point because I fell off of it and decided it wasn't worth my my time. But I was able to get to it. I got yeah, I got to that spot just on that little platform that you just can't quite jump up to. Um, did you know that if you just hold down on space, you'll activate your glider at basically the earliest opportunity? Uh, yes. Well, I learned, I yeah, I kind of learned that by accident because I was wondering about the lag. Because when I was going down hills sometimes, if I was jumping along, as I, I do because I'm a bouncy person, uh, I would occasionally take out my glider and just kind of like, down the hill. Um, I was just looking for an excuse to say that mostly. But it was, it was a very accurate statement. <laughs> I just kind of uh, did some very strange animations as I was running downwards with my glider on my back. So I didn't know if it was lag or if it was me holding down spacebar. But I guess, yeah, that works. Yeah, it is. And, well, I found it out because I usually, like, hold down the spacebar, obviously, for longer than the average, I guess. And so when I was just jumping around, it has it plays a little flamey animation of your skills coming back, kind of like when you jump in and out of water with the bubbly animation of your back half of your skill bar, and I couldn't figure out what was doing it because the glider was out for such a short period of time, and then he, then I figured it out, obviously. But just the idea of putting those types of skill points there, or mastery points, rather, is really exciting to me, as I said, as, as somebody that likes to explore. It definitely brings out that like crackdown, agility, orb hunting vibe. I don't know if either of you played that, but um, I love that kind of stuff. I love exploring like exploring to find stuff like mastery points. I think that's going to be really exciting. It goes along with jumping puzzles and, you know, the whole Zelda exploration thing that Guild Wars 2 does a pretty good job of most of the time. Yeah, yeah. So do you want to talk about the experience uh, curve, if you will? You sort of alluded to wanting to talk about it a little bit, Spirit. Yeah, it was... I felt bad because I kind of went on a Twitter rant about it after the first beta I was in. Um, But I think when when I thought about it, Ultimately, what I what it boils down to is acquiring a point and then having to earn the right to spend that point is not fun, and I really didn't like it. Um, I understand why they did it because the points are rather easy to acquire, and they don't want. I mean, for all intents and purposes, and we've said this before, the mastery system is effectively an analog to leveling. It's just not vertical. And you have a choice in how much you want to progress it. But it serves that same sort of function of not gating, because it's it's optional gating, but um, sort of progression. And it's done almost in the same way where you gain all this experience. So I I understand why they did what they did, but I don't like that earning points and being able to spend points are separate. That's incredibly frustrating to get something that you can't use until you level, basically. That's gating. It's <laughs> it's just it's like grindy. leveling. It's not nice. Yeah, it's not nice. So I would I would just rather have it be um like how uh the points are harder to acquire, but when you get them, then you can spend them and there's that instant kind of reward payoff. 
Um, I actually, uh, when I had said all this on Twitter, I talked to Vereen about how having Glider was so, so integral to the... Integral? Is that a... What, what integral, yeah. Integral, yeah. To the experience of Verdant Brink and how much more fun you have once you have the Glider and you have the ability to kind of skip over and around things and get this full big view of this very, very beautiful map. Um, and we kind of agreed that maybe they could do a tutorial with the glider so that if maybe at the outposts or an NPC from an outpost sends you to a person who teaches you, okay, this is how you use masteries, this is what they're for, and then they give you gliders, the first one, so you can test it out and be like, oh yeah, these are cool, I think I might want to progress these more. That was kind of what we came up with maybe as a solution, but my voice is going out. Yeah, I definitely, you made you made some really good points because... Uh, yeah, on the one hand, we can't judge too harshly in terms of how long it took to get, because I mean, yeah, sure, it took an hour to get um, your glider, but that's also when it's when it's an hour, it, or you know, it, if that's a lot more frustrating in a series of two-hour betas than when it hits live. But I also, it, it does worry me because. Uh, didn't you say the experience ramp between the first glider mastery and the second one went from a quarter of a million to one million and there yeah. were like and lots the, of masteries after that the Tyrian ones are straight up one million so the like the core game starts at a million um whereas gliders started at two hundred fifty thousand and then went to a million see that just doesn't seem conducive to, because you, what you're gonna do is you start grinding to get a better glider and then forget why you wanted a better glider exactly yeah that was my yeah that was one of my major concerns is because if the perceived it doesn't even have to be actual progression but people are going to perceive masteries as an analog to the leveling system and then it becomes well i have to get to the max level and they don't understand that it's optional necessary so and it may not be optional necessarily if there's content that they want to do that you need masteries to do and do well then people are going to say well i need this i'm going to grind for it and then that when it becomes the fact that they want to grind in a specific area to get those masteries, so Heart of, Heart of Thorns, Heart of Maguma, we don't know how many maps are going to be in their total, but I can almost certainly say what's going to happen is someone's going to point out an optimal event chain or several, or like an optimal way to do it, and then people are going to go there and grind, which is, grinding itself is against the design philosophy. It's supposed to be a natural progression. Plus, it's going to ruin the map for people who want to do it, because that encourages stuff like failing events on purpose. It encourages things like, um, you know, just spamming events in one area and letting all the other ones go to waste because that one area is so much better. And just generally unfun. From a loot or gear, or not gear, yeah, loot or experience exactly. perspective. It's effectively the um, same, though. Loot experience, masteries, like, they're, they're yeah, all... It's the whatever same Whatever you want. Right. So I'm just worried that if they overtune it, it has the potential to ruin more than just the mastery system. It has the, the chance to ruin actual kind of natural progression for not only the players who are grinding, but the players who are actually trying to progress naturally. And the grinding players are actively, because Guild Wars 2's open world is so multiplayer centric, it can actually ruin the experience for other players. Yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm almost at a loss for exactly what to say about it because. Yeah, it's. I can understand them wanting to have that carrot of continuing to play in order to gain your progression, but there's something inherently very appealing to me about task 
oriented rewards where you know like you have to find out how to climb on top of this rock to get this point and then that is the reward you get to spend this point um just killing stuff just to like just logging in just to kill stuff so that you progress an experience bar to unlock the ability to use your point just is not that is not something that will personally keep me playing like the at that point especially if they if they grow at a very like an exponential rate or even a linear rate depending uh for further tiers of progression there's gonna be a certain point at which i'll just be tired of doing part of thorns areas and like if i just had to go find more mastery points then I would do that. But if it comes down to just having to sit there doing events ad nauseum, then I won't. So it's going to depend a lot on what the final numbers balance is. And obviously, it's you know it's impossible to know that at this point, but just like how Silver Waste is so profitable, and I did it really hardcore for maybe a month, but even though it's still by far the most profitable thing to do, it, like... I'm just done with silver waste, and I worry about the longevity of a system that requires experience as a main progression form for how long it's going to keep me on the hook. Once, especially when people want to optimize and grind experience for the the quests or um, events that are easiest to do, and then you go to, you don't get to experience the whole map. It becomes a system, not a storytelling game. Yeah. So I that's that is my concern. I understand yeah. the desire to not want players to just run real quick through a checklist of where the mastery points are and spend them but frankly i don't think that's their judgment call to make like if that's the type of player you want to be more power to you i think but i thought of something that i don't know if has been mentioned or not have they told us whether these masteries are going to be account bound or character bound they're account account bound well at least there's that yeah Yeah. that's that's a huge plus for me at the very least because I play lots of characters all the time. So at, at the very least, there's that. That that does make me really happy. Um, one thing I, I do want to say is that I'm not opposed to having to work towards stuff. I don't mind that at all. I'm just worried that the, the way it is, is it encourages some not necessarily intuitive or good play styles to acquire. Yeah, well, I think... But I mean, I think we'd agree that they could design the acquisition of the mastery points themselves to be the part that is that you have to work towards. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. Which this also is sort of tangentially related. Did either of you read Ravius's blog post about whether it was sort of commenting about the World of Warcraft removing flying mounts from their next expansion? Did you guys read yeah, that at all? Yeah, I did read that. Yeah. Yeah, so if anybody didn't read that, I mean, I'd say you probably should go read it, but basically the gist of it was that they, in WoW, they're they're sort of stating that they want to get rid of flying mounts for new areas, and regardless of of that, the discussion also turned back towards Guild Wars 2, where we know that gliders are a Heart of Thorns specialization, and that the specializations don't cross over between the core world and Heart of Thorns. Uh, So you won't be able to take your glider back to the core world. But he pressed further and said, well, what happens if and when we get an expansion 2? Like, by that logic, that would mean that gliders aren't available in expansion 2, and there might be a very good reason for that in terms of design space, where 
Like it would mean that forever you would have to make glider aware maps. Um, and it would also create problems for people that maybe didn't buy Heart of Thorns, but did buy theoretical non-existent expansion too. Um, but that the downside of that is that it also may deaden some of the motivation for, especially if it is grindy um, for experience, like it it can kill off the motivation to really bother <laughs> going and, and doing that when... Like, if you get tired of playing in Heart of Thorns, then that means that all of the masteries that are there are pointless, because they are only for there, so... It's kind of like the uh, the crystals from the Zephyrites. They were only in that map, and you don't have to build something up to, you know, unlock those, but, like you said, making maps that are centric to that uh, dynamic, to that, um, that, that part of the game. Yeah, and if you did, like, if you did have to put in a bunch of time or money or effort, I can't say that a lot of people would have necessarily done that. Um, but, you know, I still, I still agree though with him that I feel like it would have to be that they'll have to be both constrained from the previous content and the future content for that reason. I mean, I don't think that you want to get into a situation where you were actively penalized for not buying one expansion over the other, um, or, or whatever. I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough call, but I can understand, especially from a design perspective, why that could be a huge nightmare and why that's kind of almost a almost a feature like almost a design feature of having these things be self-contained is that you don't fall behind in the new areas if you didn't do the last areas <laughs> that is a good advantage of it yeah but i think that that will temper the tolerance people will have for how long it takes to gain the experience to do these things and again maybe 1 million is just what it is for everything aside from like those very very first intro ones and so maybe maybe gliders 2 is a million and maybe gliders 3 is another million maybe gliders 4 is another million so maybe that's not as big of a deal um but if it goes like gliders 3 is 2 million and gliders 4 is 8 million uh you know that's gonna be a lot less exciting for some people so i'm curious um have they ever said anything about how they'll interact with tomes of knowledge? Is that like a thing we can use to almost power level masteries or I don't know. I don't think they've said anything. I, I don't remember if they have. It's definitely something that comes to mind though, especially with how many we've been given lately from dailies. Yeah. There was <laughs> I feel like it's important like a kind of an important disclaimer to say that there are a lot of maybes in that that discussion right there and we were kind of pulling yeah. out some possible scenarios. And you know, nothing we said is necessarily going to come to fruition. So because we don't work at ArenaNet, no, oh yeah, we have no idea what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, hundred percent. I mean, I think I think we're just trying to point out some pitfalls that we see before things get finalized, and yep. those pitfalls may never have even been planned to exist and may not exist. Um, but so I mean, from starting about what three or five episodes ago, it's been speculation city. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much going to be Speculation City, because otherwise you'd just be reading the news posts, and then there wouldn't be anything to listen to us uh -huh. talk about. But, um... Did either of you try the adventure? Or I only found one adventure. I don't know if there was more than Which one. Which one did you find? The one down in the gladiator-style pit thing with the salvage. Yeah, that's the one that I found. The other one that I found was closed when I was there, because an event was keeping it from being used or something. So, I did like the one in the gladiator pit. I mean, it was a fun distraction. Um, I don't know. if It took a lot of dev time to make that. I think they don't need to keep making stuff like that. 
But, I mean, something like that, if that takes, you know, a day or two to make, keep putting them in the game, because they're a fun little distraction. Not something that I'm going to, you know, be playing the expansion for, but it was a good way to practice your dodging, because you're trying to get all these salvage pieces, and there's um, those thorn vines just throwing stuff at you like crazy. And, you know, you only got two dodge. And I always, the max I ever got to was like, what, 10 pieces? And the uh, the packed guy's like, oh, that's pretty good, but you need to do better. And I'm like, oh, darn it. Yeah, I saw that oh. the goal was 10 out of 10. and Or to, the goal was copper completion was 10. And I did get 10, but he didn't seem to acknowledge that I did any better than the times that I got uh-huh. less. I must have not understood that because I thought I had to bring them to him one by one. And so I was deeply dissatisfied with that event. No, there was a little counter, and it was, I didn't see it the first couple times I went in, that would show you, and it was like above your skill bar or something, and it'd show you how many you had, and I didn't see that till the second or third time I was in. So did they, did they like stack up in your hands or whatever? Because I, I picked one up, and I went, okay, yeah, well, I've got stacking. a bundle now. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I picked one up, I said, I've got a bundle, I don't, I can't carry anything else now because I'm holding a bundle. It, that was deceptive in that way, yes. Yeah, I had the same thought process, but then I sort of noticed somewhere that it said that it wanted 10 and that I had zero after I turned one in and then I just tried to pick another one up and then I eventually noticed that there was a little counter near me. But I definitely the first one or two times was like, I don't get this. I did notice that that event would be extremely easier if you had the Mushroom Mastery. Yes. Which is interesting. Um, I was definitely interested in how much easy the map, how much easier the map would be with the Mushroom Masters, you know, just getting supply back to the pack camps, things like that. I mean, you could traverse, with a glider and the mushrooms, you could traverse this map so much better. And air vents, too, which, yeah, yeah it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this map plays out once you do have all the masteries and can just, like, hop and pop around and all that. I mean, that's, that is very exciting because, yeah, I, I don't want to take anything away from doing this beta i think it's i think ideally this is the kind of feedback that they're hoping for um but man it was i loved the map i loved how it looked i it was gorgeous and flying around it felt so cool yeah the exploration sides um the itzel village all like that stuff but the was what's the it wasn't stronghold that's the pvp thing isn't it the one where you're supposed to take care of the pact at night what do they call that oh i don't remember the, the night phase? I don't know. Yeah, the <laughs> night the... phase. I think maybe it was partially I had my hopes up. I was imagining something bigger and more awesome, but I was really disappointed in that. It just kind of felt like a uh, regurgitated silver waste to me. I think it's been maybe built up by the community and kind of the way we we perceived it to be when it was described to us was more like a like a Waves of Zombies game than a, a Well, a Waves of Zombies game. And also, a you're building up your fortress in the day as much as you can, and so it doesn't get torn down. So you can you know have fortifications on your walls and things. But then I get there, and this is little camp wreckage, and no one wants to talk to Larenthir because he's uh he's a Silvari, and I'm like, oh, this is not what I expected. Um, I would say that based on my experience and what I've read, the nighttime perceptions very wildly by which like what kind of map you got into there were a few maps that were trying very hard to push those events and you have to actually unlock the the camps almost so if you aren't doing any events during the daytime there's maybe only one or two camps that are available at nighttime but if you have pushed all the events during the day then the night chain becomes significantly more complex so I, it's really hard to comment on that because it is, yeah, and that's something that I I was trying to 
trying to think of, even though it wasn't what I expected it to be, I had to say to myself, you know, well, this isn't a disciplined Silver Waste map like everyone's used to, so. Yeah, I, my, I can't say a lot was happening on my night instance, but then again, my night instance was an hour and a half into the very last beta, so I think a lot of people were already checking out in my map that I was in, so, you know, it's uh, hard to, hard to judge, at least from, from what I saw, but. Yeah, um, but actually, I do want to talk about more about the the kinds of events because there was very. I spent most of my time in the first beta and almost all of the second one that I was in um, in the Itzel Village because I had an absolute blast doing all the events over there. There was, I think, an incredible diversity there compared to what I've seen in the rest of the game in terms of events that are fun and engaging and not necessarily combat because i think that's a not just guild wars 2 but i think that's a shortcut that a lot of games take is like we need to do something that's engaging let's just throw some mobs in there um but i was really pleasantly surprised to see things where for example i had to throw rotten food at a priest to get him to stop his sermon. that was a funny event to, yeah um i jumped up a cliff to collect griffin eggs and if i was hit by any mobs they would explode um, which got even better, again, when I got my glider and I could run to the edge of the cliff and glide down with my egg to the NPC while avoiding all the, the bad stuff on the cliffs below. Um, there was, I was sitting around in a village. Oh, this is actually a really good segue. I was sitting around in a village and um, the wyvern actually dove in and started attacking the village, started a whole event where everything was on fire. We had to put out the fire. We had to, you know, control the situation. That was really, really good. And it felt like a fulfillment of the the kind of concept that they gave us before launch, where the you know the centaurs aren't just sitting out in the field; they're going to come and actually pillage your village and knock down your bridge and break crap everywhere. That that description, the feeling I got from that, was the feeling I got in the Itzel Village when the the wyvern was diving us. That sounds really cool. I never really saw any of those events, which is you know sort of endemic with the event system, which is fine, especially in a short period of mm -hmm. time, but. Mostly, I was just walking around with Pale Reavers and uh, doing the one event that I specifically remember was that we were supposed to take up the sniper rifles and shoot some of the husks, and I was not understanding what the task was, and that's because the sniper rifles only did 40 damage to regular enemies, but the husks, it did like 5,000 damage a shot. And so I did not make the connection that this sniper rifle only worked against one type of enemy for some reason. It's like, geez, the sniper rifle's broken. I thought that until I shot a husk as well. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, I don't get, I don't get what's going on. It wants me to shoot all these million dudes that are down there, and it does nothing. Is it broken or what am I I'm not? Like, Magic is clearly superior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but for the most part, I was mostly doing escort events. I didn't get to do any of those really cool like. Wyvern flies over and blows everything up. So, but I I'm did really the Wyvern one, there. but I didn't notice when it started. I just walked into the village. It's on fire. I'm like, oh, water bucket still OP. <laughs> Human elite skill, water bucket. Yeah, <laughs> I liked a... I liked the the system for this one. You uh, you had to pick up a water bucket and throw it on the fire, and then the fire would get smaller. It didn't just yeah. go out right away. Um, so there was some kind of cooperation with the group. By the way, I need to give a shout to the group I was in because I was with the illustrious celeste and the phenomenal alona of guild wars reporter also hunter and then there were a couple of people from mock guild as well that joined us uh and krell 
So yeah, I had a wonderful time running around with all those people. And they made the experience very fun as well. We um, did a lot of singing and jumping off bridges together. I well, you should jump off bridges if you got a glider. Yeah, I, in the Itzel village, I found... Actually, yeah, that was a critique I have and both the thing that I enjoyed. Um, in the Itzel village, they kept sending events out from the village, which I found kind of not so great. Like, the there was a series of events where they sent out Itzel Hunters, and we kept failing them for whatever reason. I think it was because the NPCs were paper, but we kept failing them. And they would start again from the beginning of the village, not out there. So every time we failed, we had a waypoint back to the village, and that led to kind of a very uh, disjointed experience because you you almost reset your character like an NPC. You just went back to the village and started over as if nothing had happened instead of having a consequence from your actions or the NPCs retreating to the village. You couldn't just kind of follow along with the flow. It was very disrupted. But at the same time, every time I waypointed back, I got to jump off and fly down to a different level because when we failed the event, they didn't just start over and try to do the same thing as last time. It was the same premise where they would send out three hunters but there were actually four different versions of the event, I think. So there was, they would go out and hunt dinosaurs. They would go hunt out and hunt mushrooms, which, by the way, are like spiky Goombas with legs. They're hilarious. Those things uh, were scary, especially yeah. when they explode. Yeah, they explode on death. And that was not uh, fun for the people who weren't paying attention, uh, playing their baby revenants. Um, and then there was one more variation, which I'm not remembering what they were hunting there. But that is really cool that they don't just go out and try and do the same thing. But. The, yeah, the flow was really disrupted, and I was a little bit disappointed about that. So which and version do you think Relics of War is always going to get? Uh, probably Spiders. Probably Spiders. spiders. I don't think there isn't even a uh, Spiders version, but we'll get it anyway. There will be. <laughs> anyway. I'm trying to think what else I... I really loved the Itzel events. Like, I've, I've been a little bit critical of them, but the, but the majority of my time spent there was really fun, and I'm happy about the outpost system. We're really looking forward to how they continue to develop that. Did did you do the event where you had to restore the Itzel faith because the uh the other highlight were coming in? It was the same it was I think it was in the chain of the preacher. Yeah. That one was kinda cool too. Even though it was combat based, you were moving around, you were protecting people, you were keeping things from happening. It felt like that event was more active. What like you were saying before in the beginning when they said centaurs are just gonna sit or just gonna sit in a field, it felt like a more engaging event. Like they're starting to make their events, um, develop their events. It yeah. seems like they haven't done that much since the launch of the game. Yeah, I know. I definitely agree with that That kind of analysis, that it, they feel a lot better than just, here's a task, go complete it. And there's an orange circle, and you can do it with friends. Like, they, they feel a lot more... Um, like, there's a, a kind of a thought process that has to go into it. Speaking of orange circles, I really loved all of the different types of effect types that enemies had for their attacks and yes. things like that. They did some; they've done some really cool, interesting things on uh, mob design and and skill design. So I'm excited to get to fight more of those firsthand. Yeah, the the mob design is far and away better than anything they've done so far. I'm really happy about that in the direction. I was surprised to see so much more Mordrum diversity. Uh, yeah, diversity of everything. It's not just Mordrum. Like the there's all kinds of stuff in there. There's very like, very high mob diversity in general. I did think it was kind of funny that the enemy had a mount <laughs> in the story. Yeah, yeah. do you want to talk about that for a minute? Because 
I did not like that, and what happened when Ritlock showed up. Uh, yeah, we can't talk about it. I wasn't really planning on it, but my well, my quick two cents on it are that I don't care if a boss has a mount. I'm not against mounts as, like, a theoretical concept, but I'm against is literally watching a million players on giant freaking elephants and dinosaurs running around all over the place. It's like it's like particle vomit every single place in the game with gigantic things. Like, that's why I hate mounts. I don't hate mounts because they are mounts. I hate mounts because every single player has mounts and they're huge and obnoxious and ugly. Yeah, but my, pro- I, my problem was he was invulnerable on the mount or what, you could do like five damage. And then you're like thinking, okay, there's got to be a mechanic here. There's got to be something I got to learn to knock him off. I got to figure that out. It's not my knockdown skill. And all of a sudden, Rillock comes out of nowhere and knocks him off. I'm like, really? Really? Thanks, Traherne. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> That's pretty standard Guild Wars storytelling, but... Yeah, but I thought maybe that, you know, got over this whole Traherne thing, and, but I guess not. Well, now it's Char time. Now it's Char time. Traherne. Traherne. It was nice to hear our character's voice, though, and to hear the voice actors back. Yeah. You know what? I didn't like it. You didn't like it? <laughs> I, I like that the voice actors are there. It's cool to hear my character voice, but her attitude and her kind of demeanor are so against well, everything that I imagine about my character that it's the really The human charming. female voice is not, yeah, not something that... She's, I mean, it's like you said, how many guardians switch from being a human female to something else? I don't know. I have a human female guardian. <laughs> well, I, then you never so use screechy. retreat, do you? Yeah. Oh god, dude. How do okay, you even... I have two things. One, I think it's hilarious sounding. Like it's such a hilarious <laughs> like <laughs> retreat. Like it's so shrill. It cracks me up. Um, especially because you use it when you're running into battle, not away. Uh-huh. But uh, the second is actually that I turn off my sound in Guild Wars a lot because there's I do get really sick of hearing the same callouts over and 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 over again after literally three years. So I actually play without my sound a lot of the time. But I did turn it back on for this because it was new stuff. Have we talked about everything then that we're going to hit on? Anything else that you guys did or experienced or had fun with? I mean, I only got to play it for basically two hours or like an hour and a half i actually quit a little bit before the end because it was kind of getting late and no everybody else was quitting or having problems but uh i actually didn't so i actually didn't get to play nearly as much as a lot of people but i think i hit my major points spirit i'm just reading through all the things that i put down that i wanted to remember to say to make sure that i've said them all i did not say that numbers are not the boss of me (laughs) i Uh, when I was thinking about the the mastery system and how I really hate in games when it, it can be time gating or any other kind of thing where uh, you cannot complete something because of an arbitrary number on your screen. So in this case, um, with the mastery system, you cannot glide until the number says 1 million, despite the fact that you've kind of already put in the effort to get the gliding. So I don't numbers are not the boss of me and I don't like systems where I just have to wait until a number is a certain thing before I can do it. Like I'll back you up on stuff. that one. Yeah. I mean yeah, yeah, I I agree. I I hope they take a little bit of a look at changing the implementation of masteries, but um I guess at the same time it's it's a little bit hard to put it into the scale of the fact that we'll be able to have access to this twenty four seven once it hits and whether or not it'll feel like yeah. those numbers fly off of our characters, so uh, take take some of our frustration as a grain of salt, and mostly that the beta window was really short. <laughs> yeah, you did want to talk about uh, community. 
Like, as in versus I... Terra, and also our community in general, but... Yeah, just a tiny bit. Um, so, this week on Cast Cast the Podcast and the Podcast, Podcast, Weather Podcast, and the Style Cast, Weather Podcast was slightly more peas than usual. Um, I've been playing Terra lately, and it is fun. I enjoy Terra. I've played it before, and I've kind of come back for the expansion, but... I just wanted to give basically a shout out to the whole Gilders community today because holy crap, the atmosphere within the game and the the kind of community resources it generates, um, uh, I'm talking about Gilders 2 here, are amazing compared to Terra. Like, I the the patches come out on K Terra about five months before the English ones. Or not the English ones, but the like the not Korean Terra, and they're still they've been out for about five months. So the the patches and stuff have been out for about ten months. There's almost nothing on the wiki, and it's so hard to find guides and stuff. So the the people who put time and effort into creating stuff for Guild Wars Two, like community guides and events, and just generally being upstanding people, nothing ever makes me appreciate Guild Wars 2 more than taking a visit to another game for a while. So shout out to you guys for being awesome. Um, other than that, the speaking of which, actually, because people putting out community content, there's a new Guild Wars 2 podcast starting up. They're called The Derman Diary, and they've just put out their very first episode. They're still kind of getting things worked out, but they're looking for feedback, so if you want to... To find them, you can go to their website at thedermandiary.com or find them on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube and SoundCloud. And that's all I've got for today. All right. Well, I think that's a good point to call it. We've just ticked over the hour mark here. So uh, hopefully we get another beta event soon, possibly with some new stuff to try out or just some more we time. Want specializations in the next beta. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel Well, yeah. Mainly yeah. so I don't have to see people in the beta complaining that, hey, how come I don't have a specialization? I'm like, dude, you're a thief. I know that they said that none of the stuff from betas is going to carry over and whatever, but I hope that our beta characters at least can carry over for one or two more betas so that we don't have to re-unlock Glider Mastery, because that's going to get old yes. really yeah. fast. Um, but yeah, hopefully there's a new beta and or some new cool announcements that we can talk about. Um it was it was exciting and we're all happy that we all got in so uh i think that's a wrap for this week so thanks for listening this has been another episode of relics of war if you want to get in touch with us you can check out our website and forums at relicsofwar.com email us at relicsofwar at gmail.com or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching relics of orr if you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve. 